Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Well, I'm excited to have so many people here this morning, uh, people who are here checking out our church. We're glad to have you here, and thank you for coming on our very special uh, fall launch Sunday. Great to have you all here. I sure hope you stick around. As Pastor Phil mentioned, we're having a a church family barbecue, and you're welcome to join us for lunch after the service is over. We've got inflatables for the young ones, and we've got a dunk tank. He didn't mention that, but we have a dunk tank also for those of you who want to practice your arm. And I haven't heard who's actually sitting on the seat of the tank. Is it? Oh, it's Pastor Phil. Yeah, there he goes. He's going to get his wetsuit on this morning. And hey, if you're visiting with us today, if today is your first visit at the gathering, or if you've been here before but you've never taken an opportunity to fill out one of those welcome cards, we'd sure love to have a record of your visit. Maybe you're here this morning looking for a new church home. Uh, Fill out one of those cards, hand it to me after the service, you can take it back to the welcome desk, or anybody with one of those bright yellow t-shirts and green lanyards will be happy to take your card from you also and make sure that we get it. We just want to have a record of your visit so we can communicate with you in the future. This is the first message in a four-part series that we're starting today called Church Partnership. And we're using the word partnership to describe what most of us know as church membership. Um, We're also using a book by a guy named Tom Rayner titled, I Am a Church Membership. He's just going to help us along with the series. He's got so many good ideas, great ideas really, and we're going to steal some of his ideas and give him credit. We waited for over two years to launch this, this series of talks on local church membership or partnership because we, we really want to get it right. And so it's taken us two years to get here. Our church began as a Bible study in the fall of 2013. We met on Saturday nights first as a Bible study and then as a newly formed church. It wasn't until May of 2014 that we switched to Sunday morning. So we started our Bible study on Saturday nights with four people in our living room. And uh, this Sunday we have about 250 people. Uh, My wife and I sat down on our sofa last Sunday afternoon just reflecting on the service, something we do almost every week. But last Sunday afternoon, our hearts were just full and our eyes were filled with tears as we reminisced what God had done on Sunday morning. Josh and Stephanie talked about the journey of planting a church and for them it has been particularly difficult. It's not easy. You can't just hang out a shingle and everybody shows up well-trained and well, uh, completely ready to serve. It it takes a lot of work, and the journey's not been easy, but it sure has been worth it. Our hearts were full of gratitude for what God has done, and our hearts are full of joy because of the remarkable people and new friends that He's brought along the way. We decided last Sunday morning that we wouldn't want to be anywhere else doing anything else with anyone else because we just love the gathering. 
plain and simple. That's it. Getting to the place where we could talk about church membership has taken a while because we, as I said a moment ago, we really wanted to get it right. We have only one chance to get it right the first time. And so we've taken our our time getting here. We've consulted with other church planters. We've talked and read and researched. And I think we've arrived at a process that will work for us. Membership in our church will be called partnership because the word partnership is much warmer and welcoming than membership. Furthermore, partnership better describes what a member is and what a member does. And so we're going to be partners. It's, uh, it's just the word that we've landed on. So when I say, you know, I'm a church member, we're church members, it, it means that we're in partnership with our, with our pastors and elders and deacons and leaders, with the Lord Jesus, and also with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're, we're a partnership together for the glory of God. And, and it's not a two-tier system where you have partners and non-partners and members and non-members and the haves and the have-nots and those who vote and those who can't. We don't want to develop anything that looks or smells or feels anything like that. We just want to say that together we're serving the Lord. Amen? Together we're serving the Lord, partnering in ministry so that God can be glorified through the lives yet to be changed. Does that sound okay? So far, so good. Together we're serving Him. And at the gathering, in the first place, we want to say that church partnership means that we all play an important role. At the gathering, church partnership means that everybody has an important role to play. There's no chapter and verse in the Bible, no chapter or verse in the New Testament that says, thou shalt become a church member. You can't find it. There's no such command in the Scripture. But the principles and ideas that support it are found everywhere in the New Testament. They just permeate the New Testament. One of those places is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. All three chapters deal with church membership from one perspective or another. I'm not going to read all of those verses Pastor Phil read from 1 Corinthians 12, but I'd like you to turn there again, if you don't mind, 1 Corinthians 12. You can find it in your Bible or on your Bible app. And allow me to read again just a portion of that text, and I think you'll understand and see quickly what I mean, that partnership is is something that is supported in the New Testament. Verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense of, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. 
Many members, one body. Every, every church partner has an important role to play in the church, in this local church. So you may not be a hand or, 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 or an ear or an eye, but every part plays an essential role, a strategic role in the functioning of the church. You, you could not function at your best if, if, if you didn't have eyes. You'd be stumbling through life and feeling your way through life. You could not function with ease if you had no hands. Your big toes help you to balance and your, your thumbs help you to grip things. So every part of the body is important. It, it, it has a function. Every part has a function. Everyone in our church plays an important role. Second, at the gathering, church partnership also means that we're, we're different, but we still work together. Have a quick look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 28. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Then he asks, are all apostles? Well, no. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Of course not. Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? So in, in addition to teaching on spiritual gifts, Paul is, is, is also making the point that not everybody is the same. Not everybody does the same work. We have different roles. We have different callings. We have different ministries. We have different personalities. Thanks be to God. But we all work together for the glory of God. Now I, I know we have a lot of race fans in the audience this morning, so... They'll appreciate this, but back in 1950, Indy carpet crews consisted of just four people, including the driver. So there were only four men who, were, who could get near the car. Nobody else could get near the car except this small crew of specialists. And a routine pit stop to replace two tires and fill the gas tank back in 1950 took 60 seconds. Took a full minute. Today, a crew consists of 11 Members, six are permitted direct contact with the car, and five are behind the wall assistance. A full-service pit stop now that replaces all four tires, adjusts the wings, and fills the tank with gas takes less than eight seconds. So when everyone understands his role, and everyone functions as they should, when everyone in the pit crew uh, works hard, does their job with purpose and passion, the team can actually do remarkable things all in eight seconds. When the work of the church is carried out by people who are gifted and called and passionate and, and, and committed, devoted to doing their part and fulfilling their role, then the difference can be amazing to behold. Absolutely Amazing. There's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. And in order for it to work right, every part has to function. The thumbs have to do what thumbs do, and the eyes have to do what eyes do, and the kneecaps need to be careful. The older they get, you know, they, they have a function. Everybody's got a function. Also, at the gathering, church partnership means everything we say and everything we do is built on a foundation of love. Or at least it should. 
mean that, right? That's the ideal, right? That's the goal. That's what we're striving toward. Everything we do, everything we say is done out of love. John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, this incredible, sacrificial, uh, self-effacing love, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Ernie Johnson is at the top of his game as a broadcaster. He's a sportscaster for Turner Sports and CBS Sports. He's the lead TV voice for Major League Baseball on TBS. He's the host of Inside the NBA on TNT. He's a contributor to the NCAA Division I men's basketball. He's also a faithful Christian and a father who has adopted several children, one of them who has special abilities, and his name is Michael. When the Johnsons first met Michael, they weren't, they weren't sure. The doctors weren't sure what his disability was. They simply knew that he was disabled and he, he was unable to speak. Later on, Michael was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. And now at 26, he's attached to a, a ventilator and he has, has to use a wheelchair. His care has been very extensive and very expensive. But Cheryl and Ernie Johnson have never regretted a moment because they love him. And that's, that's what love does. Love does what it has to do. At the gathering, we want people to know that they're welcome here and that they are loved. Loved by God and loved by us. That they belong here and that they're loved here. That's our, that's our desire. That's been our desire from day one. You've heard me say that until you're ready to... He keeps saying the same thing. It's because it's true. And it's really our, our burden. It's our vision. We want people to feel welcome here, and we want them to feel loved. That's why we keep doing these barbecue lunches. You know, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But that helps. You know, that helps. We want them to know that they're loved, regardless of who they are. And also regardless of what sort of Social or economic or spiritual or physical handicap they may have. And believe me, everybody in this room has a handicap. Some are just more evident than others, right? So we must be devoted to loving one another. Just like Jesus loved us, the scripture says. By this, all men and women and boys and girls will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we need to work that out. We need to keep working at that. Also, at the gathering, church partnership is, is a functioning partnership. The Apostle Paul reminds us of something very important in Galatians 5 when he says, you were called to freedom, brothers. <laughs> that used to be my favorite verse. Because I always stop there at the end of that first sentence. Called to freedom. Yes! 
I'm free man. I'm a free man from all that stuff in the past. I'm free. I can do anything I... No, I can't, actually. I can't do anything I want. You were called to freedom. Then he goes on to say, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. We've been set free so that we can become slaves to service in the kingdom of God. Set free to become enslaved. (laughs) God has a unique sense of humor, doesn't He? He just kind of takes these things and plays with your mind so that we get it and get it right. Let's use our freedom to serve one another. Christ has set us free so that we might operate as members of the the kingdom of God in the local church and serve one another. That's what it means to be a functioning partner in a church. It means that you're you're servants of one another. Peter exhorts us in 1 Peter 4.10 and says, As each of you has received a gift, a spiritual gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. A few years ago, my youngest daughter and I had a chance to visit Spain together. I was invited to speak at a conference, and they invited her to come and lead worship and, and do this special music, uh, something I think she's very good at. And after our commitment to the, to the conference, we took a couple of extra days. Uh, once our, once our, our work was done at the conference, we became... Uh, we became tourists in the city of Barcelona. We took a couple of extra days and just toured around Barcelona, this beautiful, magnificent city. We became tourists, and we loved it. We, on that trip, we got our passports stamped, and we exchanged some currencies, and we learned a few key phrases, and we were off. Kristen and I wandered through the, the outdoor markets, and we visited museums, and we sampled the local cuisine. We exchanged a few words with the locals. Hola, que pasa mi amiba? You know, and stuff like that. We, we, <laughs> we sat on the steps of the cathedrals, and of course we sampled the local cuisine. We'd take a picture or two, and we even took in a flamenco show. And we bought some souvenirs, and of course we sampled the local cuisine. <laughs> we had a wonderful vacation in the city of Barcelona. I would highly recommend it. But our hearts weren't changed in any significant way by our visit. They they weren't meant to be changed, really. We were just tourists. We were just there for a couple of days of sights and and fun. That's that's it. That's all it was. And I got thinking about that. You know, it seems to me that what I've just described is very close to some people's understanding of what congregational life is like in a local church. On any given weekend, Christian tourists can be found in church. They pop in for 45 minutes or an hour. They sing a song or two, and they exchange some words with the locals. They drink a coffee, eat a hot dog, maybe buy a book or a CD of a great sermon, and then they race over to Swiss Chalet to sample the local cuisine. Does that sound familiar? Some of you are laughing and smiling, and a few of you are scowling at me right now. Don't talk about Swiss chalet like that. 
Friends, too many people in too many churches in too many places are just tourists. They, they are not a functioning part of the body of Christ. And I'd like to change that. You want to join me? Amen. I think we want to change that. We don't want the gathering to be a place where tourists gather for 45 minutes or an hour. This morning it's going to be a little longer. Or just come quickly to something before they sample the local cuisine. It's got to be more than that. It must be more than that. It's got to be deeper and stronger and more unifying than that. We want to change that. We actually want people to operate as if the future of the church depends on them because it does. We actually want people to function as partners in the work of the gospel. We actually want people to work in the ministry so that more lives are changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We actually want people to become partners who fully function in the transformation of life. 1 Peter 2.4 As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, as you come to Him, to, to Jesus, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. He's talking to all of us, not to pastors, but all of us become a a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the plan is obviously not for us to be tourists at church. Quite the opposite. The plan is for you and me to become a true part of the structure, part of the spiritual house of God, and to function as a holy priesthood, helping to get men and boy, men and boys and girls and women to God. That, that's, that's what priests do. They, they, they stand as a bridge between God and people and, and try to you know, get the people to God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Orthodox church officials in Russia discovered in 2008 that one of their buildings had actually disappeared. The 200-year-old building had gone unused for a decade. The Orthodox church, of course, ran into great difficulty in that communist, atheistic nation. And so people were leaving the church. But around this time, there began to be a resurgence of interest in the Orthodox church. It was experiencing growth. And they thought about reopening this building they had closed a decade before. And that's when they discovered that the building actually wasn't there anymore. Eventually, they found out that villagers from towns nearby had actually taken the bricks out of the church and sold them to a businessman who was paying about four cents apiece for the bricks. The bricks had been chiseled out one by one by one, over a period of time, by lots of different people, and eventually the church building just disappeared. In the same way, some churches are decimated over time when Christians, one by one, choose not to be involved not to function the way that God has designed for them to function as members of the body of Christ. They choose not to give. They choose 
not to pray. They choose not to use their gifts. They choose not to get involved. They choose not to attend. And slowly, the bricks of the building of God are taken out. One less living stone is available for God to build with. And in the end, the church that God intended to be the display of Christ's glory to the watching world is chiseled away. Brothers and sisters, we have a partnership with God in building the kingdom. And our our partnership in the local church actually declares to to the seen and the unseen worlds that we are committed to the principles of the kingdom. And we're devoted to seeing the glory of Christ manifested on earth through us, through the church, the manifest glory of God on earth. It declares to the seen and the unseen worlds that we are all in. And we're committed and dedicated. And so, if someone is interested in becoming a partner here at the gathering in the days ahead, we simply ask them to listen to the sermons in person or online. All of these four messages on church partnership will be posted to the website. So you listen to the sermons, attend the four-week series. Secondly, we ask you to read the articles and watch the short videos on our church website. And then thirdly, attend a church partnership seminar. Pastor Phil mentioned earlier that the seminars will be offered on two Wednesday evenings and two Saturday mornings for your convenience. So you attend just one, not all four. All you have to come to is just one. And we ask that you register in advance, please. The first set of partnership seminars are coming up fast. Wednesday, September 21st at 7. Saturday, September 24th at 9 a.m. So you go to the website, you read the articles, watch the videos. You come to the partnership seminar after you register. We're going to have two more in October. So there'll be two in September, two in October. So you can go to the website today or stop at the welcome desk at the back because they're all set and ready to go. They'll help you get registered. Uh, maybe you don't have a, you're not online, you don't do computer. Uh, they'll be able to help you at the back. But in order to become a partner, you have to do the work and, and come to the seminar and be baptized as a believer. You can also come to the seminar, do the work, read the articles, listen to the videos, come to the seminar and then decide, ah, this is not for me yet. And that's fine. There's no pressure for you to be committed before you come to the seminar. Come and learn. Come and listen. Come and make up your mind. You know, if, if I was, I think if I was planning to ask you to sign some sort of response card today, and I'm not, not asking you to sign on to anything. But if I, was, if I was going to prepare something for you to respond to, I think it would sound something like this. I, I love the metaphor of partnership. But it would, it would read something like this. Because I am a member of the body of Christ, I know that I must be a functioning member where I'm an eye or an ear or a hand or an ankle bone, or knuckle, or whatever. Something. And as a functioning partner at the gathering, I will give. And I will serve, I will minister, I will share my faith, I will use my spiritual gifts, I'll study. I'll be part of the life of our church. 
I'll seek to be a blessing to others. And if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. (laughs) That just makes partnership so attractive to me. It's not this long list of do's and don'ts. Burdened as I become a member of a church. Wow. No. Partnership is a wonderful opportunity and a beautiful blessing from God. It just makes it so attractive. I love framing it like this. It makes it so appealing. So if you're already a functioning member of the body of Christ, why not, becoming a, why not become a functioning partner here at the gathering? If you're already a functioning member of the body of Christ, why not become a functioning partner here at the gathering? Hmm. Let's pray over that. Gracious Father, we, we want to bring our church families before you this morning. With all of our, we come with all of our brokenness and beauty. It's not only a privilege, but a central calling to pray without ceasing for one another in the body of Christ. For until the day that Jesus returns, Lord, the church is your chosen means of revealing your glory lavishing your grace and just advancing your kingdom. We know that. But it's it's also no wonder that the church is constantly being assailed by the world and assaulted by darkness. Father, in keeping with the way that Paul prayed for every church he ever planted, we, we want to ask you to inundate and saturate and liberate our church by the gospel of your incomparable grace. Lord, there's no other power sufficient for the task. There's no other story or motivation or resources adequate for the calling that you've given to your beloved people. By the glorious gospel, we pray that you bear great fruit in our midst, Father. Deepen and strengthen our faith in Jesus. Amaze us over and over and over again with the mercy and magnificence of Jesus. It's not the size of our faith, but the object of our faith that matters most. So keep revealing more and more of the glory of of God and the grace of Jesus. Lord, let us boast in His work, not ours. And may the name of Jesus be the most heard, most loved, and most trusted name in our church, the gathering. Heavenly Father, by by the hope of the gospel... Please liberate our hands and our hearts and our resources for the work of your kingdom in Windsor, Essex, and in Sarnia, Lambton, where we just planted a church. Lord, make us a generous servant people, too. We want to be functioning partners in the work of the kingdom, and many of us here also want to be functioning partners in this local church, the gathering, a church you've planted and a church you're growing at great cost to yourself. Lord Jesus, by the gospel, revive us, transform us, free us for your sovereign and saving purposes. For this we pray in the glorious, grace-filled name of Jesus. Amen.